0: Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. So how are you at receiving? Are you a good receiver? Do you have open hands ready to just allow for all the abundance to come into your life? Well, I have not been for a long period of time, and I am just learning how to bring that mindset and that openness to my body. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to tell a little story about opening up to receive and how good it felt, how wonderful the gifts are when it's the right amount of receiving and the right amount of giving. And there's that balance between those two things. Before I tell the story, I will just say that one of the patterns that I've struggled with in the past is people-pleasing. Um, another term for that that I would use would be codependency, pretty severe codependency, where I feel like I was conditioned as a child to be pretty quiet, you know, and not voice my needs and maybe not even recognize my needs, kind of go through life as if i didn't have that many needs. i mean there were times that i'm sure i whined about things and tried to get what i wanted, but i think i also learned my family was a lot happier when i kind of stayed quiet and that kind of worked to keep me safe in that family system. so now i'm noticing as i got older those patterns that helped me stay safe as a kid like because they they stopped me from getting verbally yelled at at, like from my parents and they stopped me from getting shamed if I wasn't acting the way my parents wanted me to in some situation you know they would have said something or made me feel bad about myself if I had needs and not a hundred percent of the time but enough that it really truly made me into a person that was really quiet and It wasn't that I didn't have opinions or have things to say. It's just that I didn't want people reacting to me in negative ways. So that was the pattern that I learned. But as I became an adult, it turned out to be a maladaptive pattern, right? Like, so it was good for me as a kid. It kind of helped save me or whatever. And then as an adult, though, now it's a problem because as I learned after I was divorced that I didn't really voice my needs. I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted I because I had suppressed that voice for so long that it's like I stopped being able to access it. And so I had to start learning about who I was and all that. And one of the biggest things that helped me do that was just like daily journaling like doing the morning pages, three day, three pages a day, kind of just letting myself say whatever I wanted to say on those pages and feel whatever I was feeling, just right stream of consciousness. I think that really helped me start realizing my feelings and thoughts about things. And then I learned the skill. I'm much more able to notice my feelings nowadays and ask for my needs. Okay, so I've been practicing that. And then a couple years ago, I've mentioned this before, but I worked with a famous podcaster. Well, I mean, she had a thousands of people in the group. I mean, but I was following this podcaster Kathy Heller pretty religiously for a couple years. And so yeah, check out her podcast if you haven't ever. And Kathy Heller is very spiritual minded. She's super into opening up to abundance. That was one idea that she talked about a lot that I had never really heard of in that way before. I didn't really realize I could open up to more abundance. I didn't realize I could be stifling myself in that way. So she has talked about it in lots of episodes and how she's opening her hands to receive and being willing because it is scary To receive, there is fear in someone that's codependent or in me um, of allowing myself to fill up with joy or abundance or things because maybe it has more responsibility when you get what you want. Maybe it just, maybe I feel uncomfortable with allowing other people to give me stuff like I owe them something. Like I definitely used to feel that way in early recovery where, you know, someone would let me call them and I'd vent to them for a half an hour and talk to them and they'd listen and I'd, afterwards, I'd feel almost like I owed them something, you know, and they would be like, "Aaron, I'm just here to, you know, I'm your friend. This is what we do. And, and it was hard for me to receive. Actually, it still is (laughs) a hundred percent. It still is, but I've, I've definitely gotten better. Like it's still a little bit hard for me to call call a friend and want their time. Like if I'm feeling a little bit needy, like I need a person just to talk to, I don't even think that's needy. That's just being human. But for me, I still feel like there's this part of me that shouldn't have to take other people's time up or something like that. So I'm still working on that one. It's still in me. And with certain people, it gets activated more than others for some reason. And yeah, so I'm working on that one. So this summer, I really opened myself up to more abundance. I talked a couple episodes ago about how I bought a new car. And man, I love that car. It's so fun to drive an SUV rather than drive a small car. I really liked my small car. It's super nice when you're parking definitely to have a small car. But now being up higher, I feel so much safer and I feel like I'm noticed on the road a little bit more. And it feels, I guess it just really feels safer to me. The whole experience of driving feels so much safer to me. I had no idea I felt as unsafe as I did in my little car. But I remember I would, when it was really raining hard or something, I would not want to drive on the freeway very much. Like, I remember this one time I had a therapy appointment back before the pandemic and I would actually drive to her place to have therapy. Now I always do it online because we had to during the pandemic and I just stuck that way because my therapist happens to live like, I don't know, 30 minutes away. Like it's a nice little beach town where she lives and I like going there, but it's so much less time consuming now to have a therapy session because I can just, you know, go to my bedroom and have it there. There was this one day it was raining really hard and I was kind of new to her at that time, I think. And I was like, well, I don't want to drive on the freeway because it's raining so hard. And she kind of was like, what is wrong with you? No, she, she didn't say that. Of course, she's nice and I like her a lot, but I think I had texted her and she was like, I think it'll be okay. Or she acted like I was really overreacting, which, you know, maybe I was, but like, if I'd go next to trucks on the freeway, then my car would like totally shake and I'd feel almost like I was going to hydroplane because of, I think that's the right word, because of being next to a big truck and all the water like coming up from the wheels and stuff would kind of make my car move. I don't remember if that day I canceled or what, maybe I ended up going. You know, I felt unsafe in that car and now this summer I've been more in my abundance mindset and not as fearful about spending the money that I have, and just reveling in it, being more joyful about spending money, and yeah, not being so fearful about like, if I spend this money, there's not going to be any more that's coming in. You know, I had to let go of that a little bit. It is a leap of faith to spend money and buy, and buy a new car and stuff like that. But I did it, and it it really feels like I'm at a higher place emotionally, just because I did nice things for myself. Okay. So to the story. So this summer after we were going to, me and my son, were going to go on a road trip. And that was what kind of led to buying the new car. Um, my old car had a bunch of things wrong with it and I got them fixed. And then it got the check engine laid on again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and we're supposed to go on this road trip. And we were going to Las Vegas, which is super duper hot. And then to Utah, which was also going to be really hot. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this car, is it going to even make it through 110 10 degree heat, you know, um, or higher, which luckily it wasn't higher than that, but it did get up to 110, I think, one day when we were there. And I was really worried about the road trip. And then that's what one of the factors that led to deciding to get just to get just get a new car that that few days before we went on the road trip. Well, this road trip was kind of special because my son spends most of the summer with his dad. And then we had two weeks when he came back from the summer to spend together. So the first week, you know, he had been at home and um, enjoying his time, seeing his best friend and stuff like that, that he hadn't gotten to see for the few weeks that he was at his dad's. And then um, I asked him, you know, do you want to go on a trip? And he likes to help me plan the trip and stuff. And we decided to go to Las Vegas. And then, so we have some family friends. My parents have some best friends. Um, or longtime friends that live in Utah. And they met when they were all newly married in their 20s. So this was like back in the early 1970s. And so they've been friends ever since. And this couple, you know, lives in Utah. They had three kids about the same age as me and my sister, and so most summers we would drive over there and spend like a week at their house. And they were always very, very generous, really nice people. We loved hanging out with their kids; really fun and and artistic, and really cool people, cool people, cool kids. I always have really fond memories of going over there. Well. The kids grew up and, you know, now they're my age and one of them happens to be a teacher and she's the oldest one, so she's a little bit older than me. I didn't play with her as much as a kid, but, you know, we're still friendly on Facebook and whatnot, but I hadn't seen them in in years. Well, this summer I saw her posting some pictures of hikes around her area and in Utah, you know, there's red rocks, it's so beautiful there and I love hiking and I've really done a lot of it this summer and i've realized how happy it makes me to go hike and so she said something like teacher summers are the best and i commented like yeah teacher summers are the best and like you've been going on such cool hikes i'm jealous it looks so beautiful and then she said hey why don't you come on over i'll give you a tour or you know I'll take you on some hikes around here if you if you want to come over and I was like are you serious? Like I kind of want to and then she was serious. So we planned this trip. So I asked my son if he wanted to go and this lady happens to have a kid that was only a year younger than my son. So we thought, "Oh, well the kids can go on the hike with us." And my son hadn't really hiked very much. Actually, this summer was really the first time I took him on like a long hike. And um, he wasn't that into it. But I thought, you know, I want to expose him to like some prettier hikes and um, some, some other stuff. Like let's let him see the world a little bit. And I mean, if the pandemic taught me anything, it's that we never know, or I guess global warming, if that's taught me anything, it's that we never know what's going to happen to an area of the, our world. And I might as well go see the Red Rocks in Utah while I have the chance because you never know what's going to happen. So we plan to come over there early August and the parents that live there invited me and my son to stay at their house. And I was thinking, you know, I could get a hotel and In their town, I had a feeling they might invite us over there, and I wasn't really sure if I should stay at the parents' house or not. I mean, you know, they're my parents' friends, and I know they care about me, but it's been a long time since I'd seen them, and it felt a little bit awkward. Not awkward, but it was scary to me. It was like kind of extra putting myself out there to be seen if I had accepted staying at their house, because that would mean that I would have to be more exposed and deal with, I don't know what could come up, but talk more, communicate more. If I'm at a hotel, I don't have to share as much of myself. And that sounds almost silly to me saying that right here, but that is how I feel. Like I'm a person who studied abroad in Spain my junior year of college But I was so scared to live with a family. I ended up living, there there were two options. I could live like in the dorms at the school or I, which it was like a renovated convent. So it was the coolest place. It was like had a bell tower and all this stuff. And so our classes were in that building. And I also ended up living in that building too. It was really cool. Um, But some of my friends there lived with families as well, which, you know, looking back and at the time, people were like, you should live with a family. You're going to learn so much more Spanish if you live with a family. But I was so scared of living with a family and having to like be with their rules or who even knows what they're going to be like. And I mean, I'm sure it would have been amazing, right? But I was so scared and so shy to like have people see me and know me and stuff like that. So when the parents offered me to stay at their house in Utah, I kind of had that feeling again, you know, like I was scared to say yes, because it was opening me up to exposure. So I kind of I took the leap of faith because I knew that I trusted these people and they have a big house and it was very cozy the last few times I'd gone there. So I decided, yeah, I need to stay there and this will be better anyway, because then I'll actually get to visit with them more and all that. And even though I was taking a risk, it did feel like a risk. So I said yes, and I opened my hands to receive. And so we went on our trip. My son and I had the best time ever. We went through Las Vegas on the way there. We spent a night in Las Vegas And then on the way back, we also stayed in Las Vegas because it broke up our road trip a little bit. And we had such a great time. We stayed two nights with them and we went hiking with their daughter and her son and the kids totally hit it off. And we went to the most beautiful places um, one of those parks we went to was called the Toadstools. It's like right on the border of Utah and Arizona. It has a ton of those. Well, I mean, it looks like a toadstool, right? Or I think they call them hoodoos. Um, in that area so it's just like a rock formation of where there's a huge rock on the top and then a skinnier thing holding it up and they're very pretty to look at and they're pretty amazing you know they kind of look like Bryce Canyon if you've seen pictures of that or been there which is just so amazing so we went on a hike there it was so much fun the boys just like ran around crazy and um, they had a great time climbing this humongous mountain that they decided to climb to see the other side. And you know, we went on a couple other little hikes too, where we saw like a, a lake that was like in a cave. And we went on this secluded hike that that my friend knew about that was her friend's property, and it was like no one else could go there, but we were able to hike up there and see some really old hieroglyphics or something like that, glyphs from a long time ago that were still painted on the rock there and It was just a really cool trip. It couldn't have been easier or calmer or sweeter staying at these people's house. They're just the nicest people. We played a board game called Go For It that I used to play when I was there, and it's a super fun little game from the 80s. And We played that and just chatted and watched my son play with this cap gun that he got and It was just a really, really nice experience and so sweet and these two people are just so loving and being in their presence just reminded me how much I care about them and how much I felt loved by them when I was a kid. I mean the mom was called me before I got there, Erin, what kind of things should I get you at the store? And you know, I was like, oh, we probably don't need much. Oh, what would you eat for breakfast? And oh I'll get you some almond milk, because I know you don't drink milk and blah blah blah. And I'm like, wow, you real you really know me, you know. <laughs> like it was just so sweet that she did all that for us and she just was so accommodating. So we had the most wonderful trip ever. And I have to say that was the best vacation I've ever taken with my son. I was in such an abundant mindset. I mean, I definitely spent a ton of money too. So I don't know, maybe that's what I want to do with my money, though. Maybe that's what I like to do on vacation. It's like I'm still kind of learning what type of person I am in vacation. And maybe I want to save up a so-and-so amount of money so that I can blow it on vacation. Like why not if that's what I can do? Like that's really fun to spend money. So like when we were at <laughs> Las Vegas, we stayed one of the nights we stayed at a really nice hotel. I had I had always wanted to stay at the Bellagio, so we stayed there. It was it was not as good as I mean it was a very beautiful room, don't get me wrong, but it's just so busy in Las Vegas. I do enjoy that about it, but um I don't know if it was worth that. But we did go to the buffet there at the Bellagio, and it was amazing. And my son had never been to a buffet like that before, and he was so into it. I mean, I was laughing so hard because you know, we took a walk around to see like what food there was first because I always like to kind of scope out what I'm going to have. And I talked to him about how, you know, you're going to want to take a bunch of food, but just remember to take like a very small amount because your eyes are bigger than your tummy, you know. And what does he do? Like I wasn't really policing him. I did say he has to eat something. After his first plate, I did say, you know, you need to eat something nutritious. But He goes, and of course, the first thing he grabs, it's like 9 a.m. in the morning, he grabs a cake pop. Okay. And then I think he got some gelato and I was like, I'm glad you're having fun like this. And that was a really good cake pop too. He gave me a little bite of it. Um, and then I'm like, why don't you need to get something that's a little more nutritious. So he got some fruit and then I convinced him to get some eggs and he said they were the best eggs he's ever had and he was like super into them and went and got more and now he keeps talking about like how much he loves scrambled eggs and um it's just really funny because my son's like not he's he's a picky eater definitely and if it's not beige food he like it it takes him a while to uh to shovel stuff down that's not beige food basically we had a great time just just uh looking at that buffet and seeing what what the possibilities were for eating there and it was ridiculously expensive especially since i am a vegetarian so <laughs> it's like eating at a buffet like that you know there's no way i'm at all probably going to eat more than like 20 dollars worth of food but it was fun and we had the best time and you know it was it was all because i was willing to open up to abundance and one last thing i'm going to say is that When I left, um, I did end up buying lunch for um, the mom and dad who let us stay at their house. And then for the daughter and her son, we went out to lunch one day and I did buy it to say thank you for them being our tour guides and then letting us stay at their house. And, you know, we did take our sheets off the bed and I tried to keep everything as tidy as possible. But there was a part of me that kind of wanted like, should I send them a gift? Should I do this or that? And Part of receiving, though, is just saying thank you and meaning it, you know? So when I came back home, I did write them each a thank you note and send it to their house, and I don't need to do more than that, you know? Like, they wanted to give, and I I was willing to receive, and we were both very happy with what we did, and they spent time on me and energy, and they, they reveled in the beauty of my son, and it was just such a delightful experience, and we might go back next summer. We'll see. Toodaloo. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.